0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, Symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan.
1: Hey, good morning, Fred.
0: Good morning. This is a pretty exciting edition of the podcast. We're going to be hearing from some of your students. In New Jersey, we had big news this month with Governor Murphy announcing that the state is putting out a request for expressions of interest, an RFEI, for companies to submit informative proposals to the state DOT to design, build, and operate an electric-powered self-driving transit system using minibus-type vehicles. Now, this is going to be in the city of Trenton with an eye toward expanding from there. It's a breakthrough when it comes to using this technology to provide mobility services in a location where it's needed by people. But there are many Trentons, places where these kinds of mobility services could help improve lives. And Alan, you asked a group of your students to help identify some. Tell us a little bit about this to begin with before we call on the students.
1: Well, I, I, I don't think I asked them. I mean, if they want to pass the course, they had to do it. So this was an <laughs> assignment. I mean, this is, you know, they were forced into it. And I put them, I painted them into a corner and they had to do it. Uh, but the, but the, the, uh, the assignment is really to, uh, to look um, across uh, the U.S. Uh, to places that the, they're familiar with, their hometowns and look and and start there to see to what extent are there Trentons there and to look to see whether or not, uh, uh, whether there are or there aren't, uh, how a a, uh, driverless vehicle system focused on equity, uh, affordability, sustainability, and high quality mobility uh, could be um, could be put in place and then serve as a linchpin to expansion uh, throughout uh, their their county and and throughout their state. And since uh, I have a cross section of students in my class from many neighborhoods across the country and in fact across the world, I mean we had to do something for the kids that were from Australia. So they adopted a location or maybe I steered them towards a location and basically um, uh, go and investigate. Uh, What what makes this possible is that I had a student uh, some years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, who put together um, a database of individual trip movements uh, throughout the United States on a typical day. You know, individual uh, what we would call uh, travel demand uh, for the 310 million people in the U.S. as per the 2010 census, um, coming up to something like 1.1 uh, billion trips per day, individual trips, A to B, uh, with a departure time, with a purpose, going to school, going to shoot hoops, going to the store, going to whatever, and um, this this database basically is um, uh, reflective of the demographics across the United States, and so having access and availability of this of these individual trip movements, the question is, to what extent could it to to could a safe equitable affordable high quality, sustainable mobility system serve these particular communities? Uh, to what extent would it, would it allow them to get to work, get to school, get to wherever, get back home, go out and, and enjoy an evening? And, um, and basically, um, uh, I, they, they have access to the, to the data files and uh, basically I let them loose and you look, you investigate, you tell us. And so that's the background.
0: So we're gonna turn first to Jack Wall. Jack, tell us about yourself and then what you focused on.
2: Thanks, Fred. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm a senior in the Warps Department. Um, I'm from Walnut Creek, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and I also did research with Professor Kornhauser uh, during my freshman summer. So it's been fantastic to see this come full circle my senior year with the wonderful news in Trenton, as well as being able to work, out, uh, work on this project myself with some of my friends, um, to see what it would look like in other cities across the US. Um, so I'll share my screen. Um, this, is, this is the slide deck that we presented on last Friday. Um, our group members are from Hawaii, California, Florida, and Connecticut. Um, and we also focused on Washington. And so our project looked at primarily um, a smaller scale analysis, like similar to a city level, um, on a three by three mile, and then a nine by nine mile, and then the county and the state level, that can contain those cities and the states that respond correspond to those cities. So we took a look at Hawaii, California, Washington, Florida, and Connecticut. And so in Hawaii, we looked at Honolulu in California. Uh, both Jason and I are from uh, areas pretty close to Oakland. So we looked at Oakland. Um, Washington, we looked at Seattle. Florida, we looked at Coral Springs, so one of the hometowns of uh, one of our group mates. And in Connecticut, we looked at Greenwich. Um, and we, did, and we identified these villages in accordance with what we learned in the class and, and in accordance with the vision that um, brought Professor Kornhauser to focus on Trenton. Um, that, like he said earlier, uh, trying to provide equitable, safe, sustainable, affordable, and efficient mobility um, in order to provide mobility for the mobility marginalized. And those are people who lack access to transportation um, and the fact that we wanna provide this transportation because we believe the trans- this transportation increases people's basic quality of life, being able to get home from work faster without having to wait for the bus um, and without having to have a PhD in schedule reading uh, to figure out where you need to go from point A to point B on the bus. Um, and who are the mobility marginalized? Like, as shown in the class, the people with disabilities, the senior citizens, households with limited mobility, enrolled students. So for example, in our project, I know our groupmates can touch later on about um, exactly how we identified in our simulations, who we wanted uh, to serve as our initial market share that we targeted. Um, and so in this vision, like as a side note, we know that qualitatively, we'd have to cultivate grassroots support. Like the communities in these areas would need to appreciate the value that we're sharing with them um, with this proposal um, and also, see the way that it could make their lives better um because otherwise uh, the programs just won't work um and likewise the other component which we know has been talked about on this on uh, this podcast and with professor cornhouse's work at large um that we want to create this welcoming environment this grassroots support so that titans of the av industry um will want to come and make this a reality Um, and so to identify these communities we used uh, geographic income distributions, uh, such as on justicemap.com, which shares income by a census block level, um, which we thought was incredibly useful because um, in some of, in some communities, for example, Oakland, um, we recognize that there will be large swaths of the community that we could be considered mobility marginalized, and we thought that would be greatly benefited by us implementing a program here. But we also wanted to take a look at cities that might be more akin to other cities close to Trenton, like Princeton. And so where, where there might be not necessarily large swaths of the population that are mobility marginalized, but small pockets within those populations that lack access to mobility, in which case we could help serve those. And in that, in that case, we looked at Greenwich, Connecticut, which has a um, an extraordinarily high median household income, um, but has some census block where the median income is far, far, far below the median for that entire city. And so I think that's the groundwork for what we did in our simulations, um, qualitatively. And I think um, I can pass it off to another one of my group mates to explain exactly what we were doing and the benefits of the methodology that we use to simulate these cities. So Connor, would you wanna
3: pass the door? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm also a senior at Princeton and I'm in the Orphe department as well. Um, so I am from Fairfield County, Connecticut. So my focus city was Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, so I guess a little bit smaller than the city. But um, as as Jack mentioned, I think it was a really interesting example because it parallels Princeton, New Jersey in a lot of ways, um, especially given that public transit really isn't an option. Um, everyone owns multiple cars. And at the same time, um, th- there's still a lot of people coming in for trips. Uh, you know, there's a big service industry in, in the downtown. There's a lot of stores. Um, and, and public transit would be extremely beneficial in the town. Um, so it was exciting for me to be able to work with this group on, on this project and obviously to, to learn from Professor Kornhauser. Um, it's also somewhat related to my, uh, what will be my thesis research, which is gonna be focusing on a, a similar type of um, network routing in airline networks. So, um, and, and a lot of the, the thanks also goes out to Austin and Mason who aren't here, who, who are, are coding wizards and, and you know, empowered us to do a lot of the technical work on the back end. Um, but the core process was building out a modular framework. So as Professor Kornheiser said, we had access to a database um, of simulated trips for every person, point A to point B to point C, point D throughout the day. Um, and from that, we could build out kind of a modular framework to understand given demand at certain times of the day, and, and we'll eventually show you plots of that, what that demand looks like. Um, where will cars need to be routed to serve that demand? And then you know, accompanying that, can they pick up passengers along the way, right? Are there trips going in similar directions? Um, and from that, we can see how many cars we will need um, because if demand spread out over the day or if we can share rides, we can potentially make our network more efficient and reduce the number of cars. Um, and, and all of that was was built in a way that we could run it at the village level, at the county level, and at the state level, which was, I think, a really, really cool opportunity um, and something that that being able to leverage Python to do, I think is, was pretty neat. Um, so if we could yeah, flip to, actually, this, this slide's a pretty good one to, to do an overview. Um, we calculated some key metrics throughout the project. So one of the key things we we're looking at on the note of car sharing um, was ADO and AVO. So these stand for average departure occupancy and average vehicle occupancy. And right off the bat, we see some pretty big differences between our markets, right? So markets that are pretty dense, like Hawaii, for example, where it's an island and everything's pretty constrained. Um, means people take similar trips in similar directions. So we can really fill up our A-taxis um, and have potentially six or seven people in each car throughout the day. Um, that, that really kind of leverages scale. It means their minimum fleet size is smaller for a city of a given population. Um, on the flip side, right, Connecticut is pretty rural, right? There, there are areas of low density. And so our average vehicle occupancy drops all the way down to, to 2.4, right? So for a much smaller town, it has much less than 10% of Hawaii's population but we need more than 10% of the cars, right? And so that was an example where our code really showed differences between different test markets. Um, And we see that also when we look at scale, right? So eventually we'll talk about all of California versus looking at a specific area. And one of the really cool things we saw is by leveraging economies of scale, when you include more cities, if you were to do this in implementation, what this would look like, right, is a statewide implementation as opposed to a city-led implementation. You also can reduce the number of cars you need in your fleet by taking advantage of greater car sharing and more kind of spread out demand across the day. Um, so, so those were a couple key insights. Maybe we can flick to slide, I think, uh, 40, 44, Jack.
2: Of course, and one thing to quickly add is uh, looking at the numbers for Seattle. Um, one thing is we didn't do, uh, for our village analysis, we can see that the number of 705, given that Seattle would potentially be our most Oculus, uh reason that we'd be doing um, it's, we we zoned in on parts of the city, which would explain why this number might be a little bit lower than we would expect. So it's not the entire city, we were running the village analysis um, for our ODD. Um, so slide 46.
3: Yeah, so here we can see and this, this really captures this idea of building out an ODD, right, or an operational design domain. Um, because again, the the town boundaries Renage and this is like Seattle spread a lot further than the downtown core, um, but for our first tests, we've created a bounding box with with latitude and longitude coordinates. Um, And we can see what in in the top left figure here, it's a little bit small, but each of these bubbles represents, the size of it represents the scale, right? So how many people are entering or exiting cars? And then the color also corresponds to that, right? So really hot areas are kind of yellow, right? That's where there's going to be a lot of demand here. That looks like right around the downtown core. And then as you get further from that, it it cools off a little bit. Um, But ultimately what that will look like when you look at the entire state Right, is that again, the core downtown areas? Um, and, and looking at the entire state here on the bottom left isn't the entire state's demand. It's demand from the bounding box in the top left to the entire state, right? So at least one endpoint of each trip is going to be within our bounding box. And so we can see this kind of distribution where the vast majority of the trips are short in length. And then there's kind of a long right hand tail of longer trips. And that's what we see on the top right here is we have this immediate crest. And this is gonna be the trips that are within the downtown core, so very short trips. We have, it kind of tails off a little bit and flattens out. These are kind of interpreted as trips within the town, the county to you know, neighboring towns. And then the really long tail at the top where it very gradually goes out to hundred percent are gonna be our trips longer distances, right? So we saw trips to New York City. Um, we even saw, we saw, which we thought was pretty funny given the, the test market trips to Nantucket, um, trips to Boston, California. Um, and and all of these trips kind of form that really long right-hand tail. Um, And so kind of what this means in terms of implementation, as you scroll down a couple of slides, um, is that the taxis on the road, well, one, the demand is very temporal. So we see this kind of bimodal distribution of a morning rush hour and then an evening rush hour, and then some people work off shifts, right? And so we see that reflected that it's not a totally bimodal unlike schools, which we'll get to, which is almost completely bimodal. and then going another couple of sli- slides down, um, we see, actually let's flip to the school slides, which is here, which is a great comparison, right? This we're seeing basically a much more spread out distribution, so far less of a tail. Students aren't really taking those long trips um, and the temporal distribution is much more clustered around two points in time. Um, and I think that, this was an interesting market case too, right? And, and it's one thing that we talked about a lot in our presentation in class is school trips, because in a town like Greenwich, we have a lot of families, a lot of trips that are happening are say a mother bringing a child to school, right? So to drive five miles to school, drop her kid off and then drive home. And when you think about what that actually means in terms of utilization of cars, well, even though there might be two people in the car, it's really only to serve the purpose of one person, right? So if you look at that total round trip, the vehicle there, occupancy there is almost like one half right because the trip matters getting to school is occupied for half of the distance and then the other half is just repositioning the car back to the family's home if you had a ton of taxis you could really take up a lot of the slack here right so you could get that half especially if you carpooled into a number like two or three would be a five or six fold improvement in in uh, vehicle occupancy right and that has countless benefits for environmental reasons congestion reasons um, and, and would be a strong use case for these taxes in the town. So uh, I'll kind of leave it there. And, and I guess we can answer more questions um, if you have any as, as the show goes on. Um, but that was sort of a, an interesting test market in my in, in our case.
0: Let's I uh, think we want to bring Jason Son into the picture here.
4: So hi, my name is Jason. I am a junior in the oil department and I'm also from California. So we looked at the whole state of California and from the bubble chart, you can see that most of the trips are focused around the Bay area and the um, LA area. And if you go to the next slide, we compared Oakland to California as a state. And as you can see, when we include all of the trips in California, we see a more even distribution. That's probably just because it's just based off the normal distribution, having more people more people are going to each distance. and also, as you can see from the temporal distribution, we have the scales, they, they look the same, but the distribution on the left has a peak of 3.5K versus 600,000 on the right from the state. And as you can see, we you can see a more defined morning peak, but the afternoon peak slash night peak looks very similar for the for Oakland and for California as a whole state. Yeah,
2: more and more broadly as a trend, one of the things we we looked at um, as we focused on the number of trips generated by a given household level, to a census block level, to a county level, to a state level, is that the distributions as a whole become much more normalized. So you're gonna see these little differences in between Oakland and California, for example, there might not be this morning peak, but instead there's just a similar peak at the end of the day as people go on more recreational trips, maybe they go to the grocery store. Um, That goes away as you go to the state, where you suddenly have much more of a bimodal distribution that's less region specific.
4: So this is our um, state level analysis for each of the states. We have some summary statistics. As you can see, we have around between anywhere from 4 million to 131 million trips per day for each of the states. And based on the fleet sizes, we have calculated that each car serves around 75 to 100 customers per day. And that's really, that's really a good number because As that number increases, we can decrease the cost of transportation and increase the number of people we're serving. And our AVO is around two for each of the states. And that's a lot better than the, like, 1.15 that it is now. And our ADOs are even higher than that because when we depart, we have more people in the car and then we drop off people along the way. And... um, to Jack and Connie, do you have any last things you want to say, wrapping up?
2: Yeah, I mean, these we think that these are really promising results. Um, as Jason said, like I mean, just looking at the total trips per day divided by the fleet size, that's how many trips each of these taxis serves per day, um, and that's a that's that's a hundred. I mean, think about that utilization; that's incredible. Um, what is your like to the viewers with cars? Like your car probably sits around all day, um, and. The fact that we have ride sharing here, the AVO is around two is really great. Um, And this is average over the entire day. During the peak hours, we probably have even higher ride sharing rates. We definitely have even higher ride sharing rates, which shows that like on the state level as we expand projects like Trenton even further, um, we have some really promising results for ride sharing, vehicle usage, um, decreasing the cost of transportation for all.
3: Connor? Yeah, I just echo the points that Jack made. I think that um, one, one other thing that we really were excited going into this project is the kind of vast geographic and demographic diversity of all of our target markets. Um, and what was neat even though there's small differences between them, um, we really do see that this scale kind of improves across every market. So, you know, from really, really kind of tight communities like Hawaii, where it's all on one island to the entire state of California, right? The biggest in the US um, at every scale, we're seeing improvements. Um, And I think that was really promising for what this might look like in a nationwide rollout of autonomous vehicles.
0: Jack Wall, Jason Sun, and Connor Larson. We will be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, Symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some interesting information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, you probably know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website again is MOTOETF.com. Alan, we have a, a couple of quick headlines to turn to. First, Pony AI, one of the companies testing autonomous technology in California, has had that permit suspended by the dmv as a result of a collision that took place on october 28th we should specify the permit that was suspended is the one that allows them to operate without a safety driver they've got something like 10 vehicles registered under the special driverless testing permit program there there are some questions we still have about this story but uh it is significant
1: it is significant, Fred, that um, uh, and this is this is a troubling one uh, because um, you know California has done a lot of good things in terms of um, of uh, regulating and overseeing the, the testing uh, of these vehicles. It's 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 been the world leader, and um, as world leader, and you have to do it first, and you can't rely on somebody else. And so therefore, you know, maybe some of the things that, that they've done there is um, is is um, uh, maybe some other states. And maybe I want to speak to my our legislators here in New Jersey that we don't want to do here in New Jersey. Um, the, the 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 provision of a driverless testing permit uh, seems to me to be. Um, um, I don't know, not even uh, inappropriate, let me put it. Let me use the word inappropriate. Uh, because um, why would anyone want to test without a safety driver or a safety or an attendant on board, r- ready to intervene in case something happens? I mean, what are you trying to prove? I mean, the, the reason one does driverless is to provide affordable mobility to somebody, uh, is to be able to prov- provide mobility to someone because because you can't afford to provide a chauffeur. Hey, if we could, all be chauffeured, hey, my goodness. I'm, I'm the point is you're, you're, you're saying the there's team. really no
0: need, Alan. There's no need to pull the safety driver unless and until you get to the point where you're doing it to make this an una- affordable, mil- affordable mobility.
1: And, until you're, you you you're, you're, you're getting uh, some societal benefit out of this. There's right. no societal benefit about, Hey, I'm a company and I had a car out there driverless. Whoa. I mean, what am I trying to do? I mean, it, 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 I'll blame it on the Silicon Valley mentality. It's wrong. I mean, well, hey, look, look at how macho I am. Who? Oh, I sent a vehicle out there without anybody in it. There's no societal benefit in that. Who, what are you trying to prove? If you're trying to show that the vehicle can drive itself, I can be back there ready to grab the wheel.
0: So there's a distinction here between this and what we're challenge. in Arizona. In the DARPA in challenge,
1: Arizona. well, no, it, it's different in Arizona. But in the DARPA challenge, you know, when we went back out there and changed one line of code and ran the ran the course again, we didn't let the vehicle go out there by itself. I was there in the behind that thing, ready to grab it in case it went over the, over the cliff in on, in Beer Bottle Pass. Cause I didn't want to lose a vehicle over the cliff, so I thought I could save it. I, you know, maybe I'd be there to save it, or maybe we should have just dumped it there and we wouldn't have had to pay to get it back. I don't know. But what's one trying to prove? If the vehicle behaves properly, safely, with an, with an attendant there ready to grab the wheel, that's good. You don't need to not have the attendant attendant there. What's in people's brains? So okay, So what is not, are, what is not, not cl- what is not clear here is you know there's a lot of discussion in the li- in whatever in the reports and I you know whether or not there was an attendant in the car if pony.ai sent a vehicle out there to test Without an attendant in the car, they should be put out of business. It's irresponsible.
0: Now, I don't know how nobody, many of the I don't know how many of the others that have these permits are actually doing this though. No. None. No,
1: nobody's and, testing. Nobody's right. testing without an attendant. Without an attendant behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Why would the Why would the 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 um, the stockholders, the investors, allow them to do that. Why take that risk? There is no reward. The only time you want to ta- would want to take that risk is when there's a reward. And the reward is you're providing mobility to society. The reason there's not an operator in an elevator is because elevators are thought, believed, to be safe enough to operate without an operator. But if you had to have an operator in an elevator, you know, Hyatt would never build a hotel that's greater than three stories. I wouldn't rent a room in a hide on the eighth floor. If I couldn't, you know, just go down, go upstairs or go back to my room at two o'clock in the morning after I've had a good time with Jack and and Connor and and Jason. No, I'd have to climb the steps. Are you joking? Or I'm going to have to, my room rent is going to have to reflect the cost of the operator sitting there at two o'clock in the morning waiting for me to then take me up. No. And so the only reason we have tall buildings and so on is because, of course, we've created a mobility system that allows you to get up to the 14th floor without an operator. And it's been affordable. And this is the same thing that we're trying to do, it's the only motivation for driverless. It really is. Really do I need to sleep in the back of my car as, as I'm going down down New Jersey Turnpike? I don't think so. Certainly it's that, the value that you're giving me to be able to sleep in my car as I'm going down the New Jersey Turnpike is 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 I don't think worth worth the risk or the 100 billion dollar investment. So what is not clear about this which I'm trying to, from the reports, it doesn't, they talk about autonomous, they talk about this, they talk about driverless permits. What the heck happened in this crash? And and when you look at the police report, the police report, I mean, my goodness, California, you get a police report, it doesn't doesn't have the name of of a driver. Now, is that indicative that there was no one in the car? And if the attendant wasn't behind the wheel, was in the back seat doing what, picking his nose or who knows what? Then that should be reported on the, on the on the on the police report. So and Tony AI, there. but let me continue on the, 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 the rage here because we, we we we've got to behave here in this thing. We've got to behave in the testing. We have to make sure that in fact in the testing we have both a pipe into the vehicle so that remotely we can monitor the darn thing, and we have an attendant in the vehicle who's who's paying attention, who's capable of Intervening in case something happens. Now it may turn out many intervenings, they happen so fast the physics can't do anything about it, and you know, the human is not able to help, and probably in most cases, if not in essentially all cases. And we all, of course, want to get the technology to a point that 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 you know, in getting between that rock and a hard place that it is really between a rock and a hard place and a human couldn't have saved the day either. A meteorite came down and hit it or whatever. A lot of stuff happened, a lot, not very many. Only something, certainly less than 10% of the trips are because of things that are, you know, that a human, that that wasn't human misbehavior involved. More than 90% of the trips have human misbehavior. And so you know this is, this is an interesting one. and a lot more information has to come out on it. And if they if Pony.ai did have an op, uh, an attendant in there ready to take over and unfortunately they, 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 the attendant wasn't able to save the day and it did whatever damage that was caused, well then you know chalk it up and let's get let's get the algorithms to work better. But if they're out there testing, Without an attendant in there, I mean, maybe they should, uh, maybe they should go out of business.
0: Moving on to the next story, Alan. <laughs> just a couple of others um, because we have questions about that one. Sure, That's we have questions. Answer, I don't right. know.
1: Right. I, sure. I don't. I don't see. I don't. I, I guess the other reporters on this thing haven't asked the questions
0: or i haven't gotten the answers i
1: didn't see it or maybe i can't read that's probably (laughs) the better answer the area i just can't read well then
0: neither can i uh, (laughs) because i didn't see it there either a large paris taxi company g7 has suspended the use of tesla model 3 vehicles after a fatal accident last weekend this involved an off-duty driver crash killed one person injured 20 people Uh, Initial findings suggest the accident was not caused by technical issues here. And I think Tesla put out a statement to that effect, too. And that's from the uh, transport minister in France. But I guess anything like this is concerning and anything involving a Tesla becomes a headline.
1: Yeah, anything I think, you know, it, it's, it's quite unfortunate, you know, something happens in the Tesla and Tesla gets dragged into the, the issues. And so, of course, and again, uh, a lot more information needs to be gathered here and whether or not, you know, uh, you know Tesla and so on and so forth, there, there, there are car crashes all the time. OK, and uh, in some sense, you know, that's enormously unfortunate. And um, as I alluded to again, and, and what seems to be the information, the right information that's out there is that most of the most 90 some percent, as some people might claim, of those crashes are human misbehavior. I mean, you know, we tailgate, we go too fast, we, we you know, we're all frustrated with, with this pandemic and we take it out on the roads. I mean, it's like, it's like crazy crazy stuff out there but anyway okay so let's blame it on tesla
0: (laughs) well we don't know yet what's going to happen i I, I, I saw something about charges against the driver possible manslaughter charges there so yeah i mean you know
1: i mean look i mean drive i'm I, i don't know if i'm the worst case but you know my driving lately has not been very good my wife continues to tell me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another headline: Aurora's autonomous trucks have been hauling loads that are being booked through the Uber Freight app in Texas. More progress for Aurora, I suppose. They've been they've been doing a lot of interesting things,
1: but I guess using uh, I, I, I guess I don't know. Great. I mean, the, the Uber we were using an Uber app. I mean, I don't know. Great, wonderful. I'm, and for the holidays.
0: For the holidays, one last headline, Ford and the Ford Fund said this week uh, that they're using an auto- autonomous vehicle technology over the holiday season to bring fresh food to senior citizens in southwest Detroit. So,
1: Well, I, I think it's fantastic that Ford is bringing fresh foods uh, to people in, in Detroit. Okay. Whether this is done with gizmos and bling on a vehicle, and who cares? Okay, really. I mean, uh, maybe what they should do is, is, is if they're not learning something, if they're not testing, if they're not advancing the opportunity for these vehicles to, to, to more economically and efficiently deliver things for the people of Detroit, If that's not the the if that's not what they're doing, then then they should you know take the money and and buy some more fruit. Um, I think it's wonderful, but it's geez, that's a that's a it seems like a public relations.
0: Well, I think I think it is. There's no doubt about that in a way, Alan. But the the idea maybe if you look on the uh, on the plus side, maybe they're increasing awareness about the problem and they're getting more headlines by saying they're using uh, autonomous vehicles, even though you know there's someone involved with getting yeah, the food. I,
1: I, und- I understand, and I'm, I'm not being very nice and very fair to Ford, and I, sh- I should be because we love Ford, but, uh, but, but look, um, um, the, the opportunity for the autonomy is to do this much more efficiently and cheaply to get goods to the people of Detroit, and to also allow them to improve their quality of life by being able to get to more places cheaper. Okay, to me that's the value. And and I and 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 the only uh, what I'm so proud about what the governor's announcement in New Jersey is is that the focus. Of, uh, in the governor's words is to really use this this technology to to deliver value to the customers being served okay and it's not a grand stand for this or a grandstand for that or at least that's not the way i read it okay it is it is it is a, a recognition that for the last I don't know. Hundred years, we have we have tried to provide better mobility for people. That's called transit. It's it's moving people as opposed to moving ourselves. If we use if you, if we use a scooter, if we use a bicycle, if we use a car, if we use a whatever scoot whatever, we move ourselves. Okay, some people. Some parts of our, of our neighbors, some neighbors of ours, don't have the wherewithal, be it physical, mental, financial, whatever all, to, to do that for themselves. And so as a society, we have, have come together to provide that mobility for them. Okay? And if we look at the mobility that we've provided for them, as compared to the mobility that those of us that are so well endowed and so fortunate to provide it for ourselves is so different. That in fact, that mobility can be brought up closer to what we who have had the wonderful benefit of having the the capabilities, assets to do it for ourselves. their mobility for those that haven't to come a lot closer to what we can deliver to ourselves. That's the equity piece. And this equity piece has just not been part, sufficiently part of the whole discussion of providing transportation resources by the public out there. And unfortunately, if you look at the mobility, Provided for relatively short trips afforded by the transit industry today. It's nothing nearly as good as what you and I are able to provide for ourselves. And that's a shame. And the opportunity of this technology is to bring it up. Maybe not better, but almost there. But that's something worth working for, and I think that that's that's the fundamental message that is in Governor Murphy's announcement. He called it it's transit. really
0: going to be an exciting year ahead. He called
1: it right? transit. Okay. Yep. Okay, and I, I and I said my testimony to, to the legislature, to, to the assembly. He was he was humble in his in his in his describing it as as. Leading the nation. He's leading the world. Nobody else is talking about doing this for that. And 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 all the credit to him. So anyway, um, I think that that's a good thing to think about in this holiday season and for the coming of the new year. And we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, do what we can to help make it happen in the coming of the new year. We're going to you know do the summit hopefully there'll be some technology companies that, wanna, that will want to that want to pay attention to New Jersey and don't come here and test driverless vehicles okay without an attendant on board please don't bother okay <laughs> all right come and operate safe driverless vehicles in New Jersey and Trenton and provide some you know high quality mobility that will be affordable that's it, what we it, want. It, in
0: the coming year, it's terrific that the uh, young people like uh, Jack, Jason, and Connor are, are involved in this, looking at this. In your I am, class, I,
1: I am so proud. I am so proud, and I am so proud of you. And I, I thank you for your your attention and your what and 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 uh, and your participation and to the other members of the class. Um, um, uh, during this, uh, what may not have been necessarily the the this, the best um, academic experience because of, the, of COVID, but at least we did have a reasonable academic experience, and I'm so proud of you for what you've done and um, and appreciate it.
0: And thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. If you can get more info at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts and smart speakers can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching, and please stay safe.
1: And have a great holiday season, and take it easy on New Year's, and um, and enjoy, and all the best for 22.